I'm getting into part two of Jesus said. Okay, let me try that again. I'm getting into part two of Jesus said. There we go. Jesus said what? And uh, let me just, I'm going to back up in case you happen to miss a little bit of last week. I made this statement that our goal as Freedom Church is to be biblical Christians. Amen. Not just a social. Uh, I don't believe that there's such thing as a political Christian where your politics are more important than your, your service to the Lord. Uh, I don't believe in cultural Christianity that just kind of goes along whatever the culture says. But I'm going to add Jesus to that or even convenient. How many of you know sometimes, well, you know what? It's not convenient for me to live my faith right now. So I'll do that later. A biblical Christian actually follows what? Right, God's Word, right? And remember last week, if you were here, I uh, referenced this scripture, Luke 6, 46. Jesus said this, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I mean, that's a rough question right there. So a biblical Christian actually does what Jesus says. We don't get to, like, pick and choose the parts that we want to follow. Well, I'll follow this, but you know what? This one's outdated. No, if we're going to follow him, guess what? We actually got to follow him. Amen. Amen? So in this series, like I said, we're talking about it. How do we respond? How do we obey? And let me just say, there's many people that claim to follow Jesus, but they don't do what he says. And uh, which leads us into a reality. I believe there's a lot of people that are a fan of Jesus, like, woo, go Jesus, but they're not actually following him. All right, there's a lot of people that maybe they like the stories of Jesus, maybe they like the idea, but that doesn't automatically make you a follower of Jesus. All right, we got to actually do it, amen? All right, so that was last week's message in a nutshell. Today we're going to jump into another command that is uh, difficult, I believe challenging, really personal, and can be very emotional for a lot of people. And Jesus said this in Mark chapter 11. He says, but when you are praying first, everybody say first. First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So he's saying, listen, this is so important that you need to stop what you're doing. Even if you're in the middle of prayer, well, God, I'm praying. And God, Jesus is saying, stop it. And you need to first Go and forgive that person. You're holding that grudge. And, and it, uh, it says, so that your father will forgive you. This is pretty important. Wouldn't you agree? Like, stop that. You got, he, he, he also says, when he taught them the disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, uh, let's all say this, because I, I put this actually in King James or New King James so that uh, you guys will know it. Let's all say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So amen is the end of a prayer, right? So he taught them how to do it. Right there in the middle, he's saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is how important it is. So he just taught them about, this is an outline of how to pray. But guess what? He circles right back, right after he teaches that in verse 14. He tells them, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, 
your father will not forgive you of your sins. Yeah, I agree. How many of y'all say ouch to that? That's a big deal. It re- Don't you think it's worth talking about? Jesus is basically saying your forgiveness is tied to your willingness to forgive others. You can't separate the two. I know this is powerful and honestly a little frightening. A little bit of frightening. I believe for many Christians, this is the single biggest issue in your life that will keep people locked in a cycle of bitterness, anger, resentment, uh, all of that, just a, a bad place. It's the one thing that really keeps people stunted in their growth bec- from growing in Christ. People are like, oh, I want to follow, I want to grow in Christ. Well, you've got to deal with this issue. And I know, I know there are painful situations in life. For some people, you know, a pain in a relationship, maybe a divorce, a marriage that fell apart and you're struggling. How do I forgive him? How do I forgive her? Uh, maybe you had a business deal go wrong. Don't raise your hand on that, but you know, if somebody cheated you, somebody took money from you, they ripped you off, they told you something uh, that wasn't true, and you're still angry about it. I mean, you're still upset about it. Maybe there was a dating relationship that went wrong, and you thought, oh, this is the one, this is the one, and now you're trying to get over that situation. Or how about a friendship that is dissolved? And uh, are, are people talking about you behind your back? Nobody's ever had that happen, right? No. Right? Oh, no, that doesn't happen. Listen, when that happens, that's painful. That's difficult to overcome. When you know people are talking about you, and maybe you're upset because someone didn't protect you. Maybe there's a family situation that uh, it's just too toxic, and you can't be around that. I know that there, I mean, it's oh, Thanksgiving is next month, right? We're in October. You know, that means family. Christmas is coming around and you're like, oh man, there's these toxic people. What am I going to do? I can't stand being around them. They just bring it all out of me. I know this may come as a shock, but some people have been hurt in church. Don't raise your hand because it's probably happened. Maybe the pastor didn't do something. Maybe there were people that treated you. Maybe there was gossip. Can I just say this? I've had people mad at me because they heard from someone else that they heard from someone else that they heard from someone else that I said something. How many of you know? And I never even said it, right? And and so it's like it's that old, what is it, telephone game or gossip game or something like that? Whisper in the ear and you tell them, all right, I'm going to pass it down. Hey, I hate cilantro, right? And it goes along. And by the time it's in the end, it's like, hey, let's go jump out of an airplane, right? It's crazy thing. So uh, we're, we're, we're back to talking about him. So when you have unforgiveness, when we have that, we actually allow our past and those issues to consume us and control our lives. It really does. And, and we get stuck in our spiritual development. Like I said, we want to grow in Christ. We want to be more like him. Oh God, I want to be like you. And Jesus is saying, well, you haven't dealt with this yet. Oh, you know what, God, let me just push that to the side. Because you can't seem to, or how many of you know you flat out don't want to forgive? Amen? The effects are devastating. I mean, there's paralyzes families, breaks up marriages, ends friendships. And let me just say, I've heard all the, well, I, don't, I probably haven't heard all the excuses. I bet you could come up with some that I haven't heard. But, but definitely I've heard, well, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know, Pastor, the things that they said. I mean, that's the excuses. Uh, What they said or what they did is still affecting me today. 
And uh, how can I forgive them if I'm still walking around in the hurt? How can I get there? Or, or maybe this one right here. I don't feel like forgiving them. I'm just not, I'm not feeling it today. Or I can't forgive them because they haven't apologized yet. Right? When they apologize, maybe I'll consider, I can't forgive it, I'm still mad, right? How many, it doesn't matter what excuse we offer, it doesn't change the fact that not forgiving actually hurts you. Not the person that you're upset about that did whatever to you. And I believe part of the reason people refuse to forgive is they really don't have an understanding of what forgiveness really is. It's like we have a lot of assumptions that are out there. So today, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of teach a little bit about this, about what forgiveness isn't, because we got to destroy some of those preconceived ideas of what we think forgiveness is. And then I want to talk about what it really is and, uh, and, and us have a time so we can actually forgive. How many of you know we don't want to just talk about it? We want to actually get on that road. And, and at the end, I'm going to tell you, forgiveness is a journey. Yes, it's a decision, but it's also a decision that we have to constantly make. Amen? You can't just forgive one time like, oh, I forgave them. Uh, because if you don't continue, that's why Jesus said, forgive them. How many times? Seventy times seven a day. That means, you know what, you got to forgive somebody 490 times each day, and then next day it starts all over again, all right, because it is a process. So let's, let me move on. I'm just going to say, let's start with what it isn't. Forgiveness is not, number one, pretending something didn't hurt. Somebody did something, somebody said something, and you hear people say, that's okay, that doesn't bother me. How many of you know, just say, Lie. <laughs> right? If it didn't hurt you, you wouldn't be talking about it. It doesn't bother me, right? Uh, we've all been there. It bothers you. It bothers you. You think about it. You, you know, you, you uh, imagine hurting them back, right? So uh, uh, people say other things like this, like, it's okay, they can't hurt me because they don't mean anything to me. All right, that's another lie, another one right there. Words uh, uh, actually do hurt, things do hurt. We have to realize that. What about the one, maybe you learned this as a kid, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Yeah, words... How many of you know that's a big lie? Why would anyone teach their kids that? All right, why would it... Because you can break your arm and that actually heals, right? But you know what? The words, you can't put a splint on a broken heart. You can't reset that. Only God can heal that, a broken heart. So stop pretending that's not forgiveness, saying, oh, it's no big deal. Right? The second one, that's kind of that, minimizing the wrong, saying it's no big deal. No big deal. Oh, it's no big deal. We say that because maybe we don't want to make the other person feel too bad. You know, oh, don't worry about it. No big deal. Well, let me just say, if somebody has said something or done something, it's okay to let them feel bad. You're like, what? Yeah, they, uh, they should. If you did wrong, you should feel bad. Don't minimize the hurt because that's not forgiveness. Uh, here's what I want you to understand, that when we minimize the wrong, what we actually do is cheapen the forgiveness. Let that one sink in there for a minute. Because if you think about what God does, God doesn't say, you know, when we sin, no big deal. Does God say that? No, no, it's all good. Yeah, you're all good. Oh, God, I'm sorry that I, you know, punched that police officer. Ah, you're good. You're good. Just minimize it. No, he doesn't. As a matter of fact, here's what God does. 
He tells us, for the wages of sin is, is death. How many of you know God is serious about sin? You can't minimize it. He's so serious that our sin brings us the death penalty. It really does. And when we come to grips of understanding what we deserve, it makes the other side so much better, so much sweeter to us when we realize that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Amen? Once you understand, if, if you minimize it, we cheapen, really. We were singing about grace and taking up, uh, taking communion. If we minimize it, we think, oh, you know what? I'm just taking communion. Oh, yeah, you know, thank you for your bread. Thank you for the blood, Lord. But if we realize the cost that it really was, if we realize how much we really have broken God's law and how much God paid so that we could be forgiven, man, that makes a big difference. That makes a big difference. So uh, don't minimize it. Number three, forgiveness is not even excusing the wrong. You know, we can't give people an excuse for why they sin. And I see this happen all the time, like, oh, yeah, they're that way because they grew up in a bad home situation. You know, their dad wasn't there, uh, their mom was this, uh, whatever the situation, they had, po- you know, so it's okay that they behave that way, and, uh, or maybe, you know what, they were just stressed out in traffic, so that's the reason they went off on you. Just excuse it, look over it. How many of you know wrong is wrong? Period when wrong happens, and here's an important principle, because when we start giving people excuses for their sin, guess what they're going to do? They're going to take it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's why I did that. That's why I went off on you. That's why that happened. That's why I was talking about you. And what happens is that, that, that we actually help them avoid responsibility because we've given them an excuse. Does that make sense? Now I got an excuse. All that does is ensure that they're going to continue to do that over and over again, right? Because I got my excuse. You know what? Yeah, I do that. I'm, I have a bad temper, but I got my excuse. You know, my dad did this to me. My mom did this to me. I got my excuse and we never deal with the consequences. I just want to say this, that when we give somebody an excuse, you are an enabler, Ouch, right? I'm just kind of throwing some stuff out there. And uh, if it sticks, take it. If it doesn't, let it fall to the side. Amen. But here's the thing. When we enable people, like I said, they're going to continue that behavior because they got that excuse. And if you enable people long enough by continuing to give them excuses, they'll learn in life that there's no real consequences for their actions. I don't have to change. You know what? I got an excuse, right? Some people are professional enablers. Some spouses have been enabling your spouse. Oh, yeah, they got a temper, but you know what? That's this, that, and the other thing. Or, or uh, see this a lot. People enable their kids. Oh, you know what? They're just cranky. Oh, they had this. Oh, that happened. And we just keep enabling it, always bailing them out, never allowing people to experience consequences. It's okay. It's okay for kids to experience consequences. And I know, you know, as a kid, when your parent would say, this is going to hurt me more than you, uh, it's like, yeah, right, as a kid. But as a parent, we do understand that. We do understand that uh, because we don't like it, but it's a good thing to allow consequences to happen. Amen? Number four, uh, forgiveness is not taking the blame for the wrong. And uh, let me just say, this is big. I know not everybody has to deal with this. 
Uh, but this is people that have taken on a victim mentality and, and, uh, uh, they have this idea, you know what, uh, like for some women, if I'd have been a better, uh, wife, my husband would have cheated on me. Right? It, if I would have done the right thing, if I would have cleaned the house, uh, then he wouldn't have hit me. How many of you know that's a dangerous thing? And that's not forgiveness to take the blame for something that somebody else did. Listen, if your spouse left you, if they hit you, it's their fault, not yours. Amen? You may not apply, that may not apply to you, but let me tell you, there's people in our world that need to hear this. Because they're taking that, they're taking the blame. Other people are assigning the blame. Oh, it's your fault. Listen, they did wrong again, period. Taking the blame for someone else's wrong is why so many people stay in abusive relationships. Because they're taking it. Somehow they've convinced themselves that they deserve it. Isn't that bizarre? Sometimes when you're on the outside looking in, they've consent. It's my fault. I should have done this. I should have done that. Listen, that's not forgiveness. Our world is full I believe of evil manipulators who skillfully convinced their victims that they asked for it, that they deserved it. That's not true. Don't take the blame for someone else's wrong. They did it. It's their wrong. It's their fault. Amen. Amen. So number five, uh, forgiveness is not overlooking the wrong. See, these are all ideas that people struggle with. The offender wants you to pretend that it never happened. Oh, just forget about it. I'm sorry. Let's just pass over. Let's put the past in the past and never deal with it again. And they say things like, well, if you really forgive me, you would never bring it up again. Right? If you really, that's not true. If you do that, if you internalize the pain of what somebody has done to you, then I want to tell you, eventually it's going to come out in not a good way. Isn't that true? A uh, classic example, and we've, we, I've experienced this with people I've counseled with. A spouse had an affair. They get caught, or maybe if they have any chance of, uh, or, or, or have any character less, they admit to it. But they do it. Their marriage turns into chaos at that time, struggle to forgive. All of that stuff is going on. And, uh, and they understand their spouse is upset, so they give them a week. To deal with it, okay, I forget, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm right, I'm all of that. But if they bring it up again three weeks later, they'll say, hey, listen, if you really forgave me, you wouldn't bring this up again. If you really, and, and so, listen, that's not true. That's not forgiveness right there. They want you to believe that it, they, you just need to pretend it never happened. That's not forgiveness. I could go on about that. Number six, it's not an emotion or feeling. Man, don't you wish that you could feel like you want to forgive somebody? Has anybody ever felt that? Man, you know what? They did that to me, and I just, love, I just want to forgive them. No, you don't feel that way. That's not a warm feeling that comes. The reason we forgive is because we know it's unhealthy for us to walk in unforgiveness. And we want to be obedient to God. There's no feelings of warmness towards that individual. Right? There's, no, there's other feelings, but you can forgive even if you have those other feelings. So it's not that. We can't, we can't think it's that way. And number seven, this is important. It's not a reunion. It's not resuming the relationship without a change. There's got to actually be a change. A lot of people think if I forgive, then I've got to pick things back up where they were. We've got to resume the way things have been going. Can I just say, no, you don't. Forgiveness is what, is what you do uh, when you're offended. 
this is all focused on me. But if the relationship is going to be restored, then the person that did the fending has three things to do. First, they've got to repent. And how many of you know that's more than saying, I'm sorry? All right, it's actually a repent means to change your direction, change your behavior. If you're gonna, if that relationship's gonna happen, there's gotta be some kind of repentance, some change behavior. They gotta make things right, which means there may be restitution involved in that. Uh, like if somebody cheated you on a business deal before you resume, I gotta see your behaviors change. And, uh, you know what? You gotta make things right. And, uh, the last one is to rebuild trust. That takes time in order to do that. And the good thing about that is even if they don't do this, how many of you know you can still forgive them? You can still walk in forgiveness. Uh, it's not the same as reconciliation. It's not. As a matter of fact, do you realize you can forgive somebody in secret? They don't even have to know. Because some of you have experiences. I've seen this in my life. You want to go and, and, and tell that person that they're forgiven, and then that blows up. Anybody ever been there? Forgiven for what? I didn't do anything. You did this, that, and the other thing. Hey, listen, don't jump in that. If that's where that person is, you can forgive in secret. They don't even have to know you forgave them. That's okay because the forgiveness is not based on their response. That's what's going on. To resume the relationship, that's another matter. But I want to tell you, you should not resume a relationship with your abuser or your offender if things have not changed. It, let me just give you some permission here, because sometimes people struggle with this. How many of you know it's okay to block their cell phone number? Yeah, it's okay to not take their calls in order to forgive them. You don't have to read their texts. Uh, every time they call or text, how many of you know? And, and we've seen this. It just stirs you up. It keeps bringing you back to that unplaced, that, that place is unhealthy. Why would you go through that? I can forgive them without doing that. Amen? If they want to restore the relationship, there's a process that needs to go through. So that was number seven. Number eight... Forgiveness is not immediately trusting. Some of you have been through this. Recovery from betrayal takes time. It takes time. If somebody's hurt you repeatedly, intentionally, listen, the Bible obligates us to forgive, but I don't think I've ever read the verse that says, Thou shalt trust again. Anybody ever read that one? No. Some thinks if I have forgiven... I've got to let them back in, right? If I forgive the guy that cheated me, I've got to start doing business. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, trust is rebuilt over time. And a trust is established by character. That means that I actually do what I'm going to say and by consistently doing it over time. And I believe that when you do that consistently, you change, you begin to rebuild trust because trust, or forgiveness is about me unforgiveness, how many of you know unforgiveness is about drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick? It has nothing to do with that. So unforgiveness is not a good thing. Forgiveness has nothing to do with uh, the other person, or unforgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with me changing my heart. It's about me positioning my heart in another direction. We should not allow other people to change our heart. Somebody did something to you, guess what? You, your unforgiveness, you've allowed them too much control in your life. 
You've given them too much in your life. If somebody can change the position of your heart, that's not healthy. I can forgive regardless of somebody else's action, even if they continue to keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know why? Because I stopped drinking the poison. Remind yourself, I'm not drinking this stuff anymore. Oh, but look what they did. No, no, I'm putting it down. That's what forgiveness is, is letting it down, no longer picking it up. Amen? Trust is different. So forgiveness is about me getting into a good place. Trust is about we. That requires both people working through whatever the situation is. We all have a part in that. I don't just decide, hey, listen, I'm just going to trust you again. If somebody keeps doing something and you're like, okay, well, I'll trust you again. And then they do something again. Oh, I'm going to trust you again. And how many of you know that's kind of foolish right there? All right? We don't do that. First time, trust is a gift. We give people trust. If they fail or they do something, second time, they're going to have to earn it. Third time, again, don't get shocked at me, but I'm not going to trust you. All right? You let me down uh, one, two, three, four, five times. And, and listen, people get offended if you tell them, hey, listen, I don't trust you, but yet they've not made themselves trustworthy. Amen. Does that make sense? We have to present ourselves as trustworthy in order to be trusted. And if we keep letting things down, then uh, let, uh, well, let me just say this. Jesus never said trust them. He said to forgive them. Can I give you a, a verse here that may come as a little bit of a shock, but after you kind of process it, uh, John 2, 23, uh, says, Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust him. They're putting their trust. These are followers of Jesus now. Oh, Jesus, you did amazing miracles. But I love what verse 24, but Jesus didn't trust them. And a pause comes across. Wait, What? They're putting their trust in you, Jesus. Why didn't he trust them? Because he knew all about people. All right? Not only, he, no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. How many of you know we are not always trustworthy with God? God loves us, but how many of you know not all of us are trustworthy with him? He reaches out to us. And again, I want you to think about it. If God, we can build trust with God by proving ourselves faithful, by walking in obedience, by uh, demonstrating that. But it takes time. Listen, let me put it this way. If you, if you say, oh God, you know what, will you trust me with this? And God gives it to you, and then you drop the ball. And then you're like, oh God, I'm sorry. God's going to forgive us, isn't he? If we confess our sin, he's faithful, he's just, he will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And then we pick it back up. Oh God, trust me. And then the next day we drop it again. And, and then we're like, oh, God, forgive me. And then we pick it up and we drop it again. And we just keep going through that cycle. How many of you know God is not going to entrust you and I with very much? Amen. He's not going to. The scripture says if we are faithful with the small things, what's he going to do? He's going to put us in charge of much. But I got to prove myself trustworthy. I got to prove myself faithful and saying, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do, even if it's not comfortable. And that is the same thing that is true in other people's life. They can rebuild trust in your life, but it's going to take a little bit of time, and it's going to take a little bit of consistency. Amen? I can forgive people and still not trust them. I mean, there's some people in my life. How many of you guys got people in your life, you love them, but you wouldn't trust them with a $5 bill? Come on, you guys know what I'm talking I love you, uh, 
Can I carry your wallet? No. Why? Because I don't trust you, right? So uh, understand that. You can rebuild it. So forgiveness is, this is what I want to look at, giving up the right to get even. Oh, isn't that hard? Because like if somebody did me wrong, I want to do them wrong. Anybody with me? I mean, there's that, that desire. You hit me, I want to hit you. Like, you know, most of you guys, some of you guys know, I'm, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, and, uh, and uh, I was just waiting for it this morning, and Christian l- busted me out. How about them Cowboys after losing? So I'm just going to tell you, I am like waiting for the 49ers to lose <laughs> so that I can come back in and say, how about them 49ers, right? And I just hope and pray that the Cowboys win on that day when I can do it. So uh, we want to get even, right? Barbara Gordon's not here, but she was texting me on the phone. And I'm just like, well, come on, Eagles. I want you to lose, right? Revenge is something that's pretty natural in us. It's in our sin nature. Let me just put it that way. Uh, but we want to hurt people that hurt. And you didn't hurt me or anything like that. That's just a funny, but uh, maybe a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> That's not forgiveness, sorry. Revenge isn't, so I'm going to try to get this back on track, guys. You know, today we've got a, uh, we've got a tool in our hands that some people use for revenge called social media. All right, I, earlier I told you we can use it for good, but you've probably seen people, uh, hopefully it's nobody here, but they use social media as a way to vent and get even with other people. Very passive-aggressive right? And it's very ugly. Like, oh, we don't know who you're talking about. How, how many of you got record of that? That actually makes you look worse than the person you're upset against, right? Oh, you know what? And they're just, oh, I'm just posting this. You know, I'm just posting this truth. But anybody that knows you, they know who you're talking about, right? So that, that's not good. Don't do that. That's probably one of the most dysfunctional, harmful, immature ways of dealing with conflict, and we don't want to be that kind of person. Listen, if you feel like you got to type something out, you know, your thing, just put it in a Word document, type it out, uh, save it on your computer, open it up next week. You're going to read it and like, I'm not going to post that and delete it. All right? And what things that we say instantly usually are not well thought out. Isn't that true? You, you know, immediate response. Anybody ever said anything that three seconds after you said it, you wish you didn't say it? Come on, my hand is up. Uh, type it out, let it simmer for a bit, and next week you're like, I'm not saying that. That was stupid, right? Wouldn't that be wise? Just a bit of free wisdom right there. So, uh, And listen, not only that, we have a desire to tell our side of the story. Especially when they're out there telling their side, it's like, oh, but you know what? Again, there's no Bible story verse that supports you've got to tell your side of the story. And I understand it's not unfair. Listen, there have been many situations as pastors, can I just say, many situations where it's like somebody's saying something, Pastor Colleen and I are like, the Lord is like, hold your tongue. And I'm like, I I feel like I got to literally hold my tongue because I want to share my side of the story. Amen? But if you keep, let me tell you, I believe that God will take care of your side of the story. I believe that. You don't have to do that. God is going to take care of you. God honors you when you choose to do the right thing, even if other people have the wrong idea. Oh, well, they did this. You keep doing right. And I, I'm going to tell you, after many years of trying to do the right thing, God has honored and blessed us in ways that I can't even tell you. 
I mean, we're good. We're about to have three more grandbabies, so uh, that's a blessing. I mean, that's, uh, that's just a side note that I have to throw in there. But anyway, uh, give up the right to get even. Number two, pray for your offender. And you're like, no problem. I got that covered. Like, oh, God, I just pray that they will experience the full harvest of the seeds they planted. <laughs> Think about that one, right? Listen, pray for them, not against them. All right? There's a difference there. You know, don't pray spiritually, oh, God, get them. Uh, forgiveness is not pray, uh, is to uh, God get my enemies. It's praying God bless them. God save them. God help them experience your love, your forgiveness, and your grace. And you're like, well, that's hard to do. Do it anyway. Do it anyway, even if you don't feel it. If they don't know the Lord, God bring them into your kingdom. God open their eyes, help them to see in a positive way. Here's the principle behind praying for your offender. When you pray for my heart is softened towards you. When I pray for the people I pray for, God begins to do a work in my heart. And that's where the work needs to happen, amen? I'm able to forgive people better when I start praying for them. And this is so important. So uh, once you start doing that, that leads me to number three, a tender heart towards my offender. That's what forgiveness is. That's what I, and listen, I know I know some of you guys have been some stuff like, how can I ever have a tender heart? Well, you got to go back to give up the revenge, right? You got to start praying for them. And then what happens is God will begin to make your heart tender. You see, forgiveness doesn't rejoice in the misfortune of others. Isn't that what the scripture says? Forgiveness actually hurts for them. And I got to be honest with you, I've had more than one time where maybe somebody has done something to my family, said something about my wife or my kids or me, and, uh, and I mean, it was offensive, and I had to forgive them. And I worked through it, and I'm like, oh God, you know, I went, I went through these processes, and you know, years had gone by, and all of a sudden I see on social media some calamity that's happening in their life, and not outwardly, I'm just confessing here, Inwardly, I thought, yes. Finally, they're getting what they deserve. And and even though I didn't say it verbally, inwardly, I was rejoicing in that. And then all of a sudden, I hear this voice of the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you really haven't forgiven them, have you? And it's like, oh. Anybody ever been in that awe spot? I thought I had forgiven them, and then all of a sudden this thing came up, and then I got to start all the way back right here. Oh, God, I pray your blessing over them. Listen, I'm just here to tell you that it is a process for all of us. Don't think that anybody, oh, man, they got it down. Man, they forgive everybody. Oh, no, we all have to work through this process. We all got to get there. A tender heart does not come quick. You're not going to feel bad or have a tender heart uh, for your offender overnight. It's just not going to happen. It takes time. But the goal, listen to me, the goal is to have a tender heart. The goal of forgiveness is to have a tender heart. Listen, what's the opposite of having a tender heart? A hard heart. Anybody want that? 
Because that's what happens. When I start mounting up unforgiveness on top of unforgiveness, our heart starts getting more and more calloused and more and more insensitive, not just to other people, but ultimately we begin insensitive towards God. Right? We don't hear His voice the way we are because we've allowed our heart. That's what unforgiveness does to us. And so, Lord, I mean, I want to forgive people because I want to have a tender heart. I want to have a heart that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And and I want to have a heart that's sensitive to other people. I don't want to get hard-hearted towards people because of things other people have done. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we're mad at somebody else and we take it out because we've just got a hard heart. We've got to say, God, help me. Lord, help me to begin to pray. Help me to begin to develop that tender heart, which moves us into number four, beginning to bless my offender. You're like, Pastor, are you kidding me? Bless them? Uh, remember, this is all a process. This isn't going to happen overnight. It, you may not be there today, but one day as you allow God, as you walk through this process of, uh, of walking in forgiveness, you're going to get there. Look at what Paul said. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. He's saying, if it's possible, on my side, I've got to make sure that I'm doing what I can do. Not everybody wants to live at peace. Some people want to hang on to it. If they want to hang on to it, that's not on you, right? We got to do what we can do. But then he goes on to say, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Like, oh, what what does that mean there? If you think about it, Paul is saying if you take revenge, you've taken it out of God's hands. You're like, oh, I got this, God. This person did that. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to get the revenge. We don't want to take it out of God's hands. It says, do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. Here's the question. Do you want to take care of it? Or do you want to allow God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, to take care of it? Okay, God, I think I will leave room for you. I'm going to pass on this one because it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. God will take care of it. Can we trust God to take care of it? Probably not the way we want or when we want, but let me just say, aren't you glad that God didn't do that to us? He was very merciful, amen? So Paul goes on to say in verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. I read that wrong the first time I read that as a Christian. Because I like did something good and I'm like, all right, God, where's the coals? Right? Let them burn hard, Lord God. Let them, you know, remember the disciples, shall we call fire to descend on their head? I kind of thought that's what that was. That's not what that is. Listen, when they do wrong and you do right, and you allow the Holy Spirit to come in, that is conviction that's coming down on their head. Think about it. If you've done something wrong and they treat you right, you feel guilty over that. Because you know you did wrong. That's the burning coals. That's the Holy Spirit coming in and and burning that chaff inside your life. They're miserable. I want to say the best way you deal with it is stand back and allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to have His way. Lord, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to feed them if that's what they need. I'm I'm going to do the right thing. Amen? Make that decision. I know, again, it's not easy. 
It's not easy. I'm not up here just saying, well, this is it. Just follow these points. No, it's a challenge, but you can do it. Uh, the next one is treating your offender as forgiven. I speak to them with kindness. I treat them with gentleness. Why? Because I already actually did forgive them. Right? It's not just words that came out of my mouth. And I know other people won't understand it. Other people in your life will think, how can you do that? How can you forgive? How can you be nice to them? And it's like, listen, what Jesus did for me, I can do for others. He gives me that ability. I can't do it in my own strength. I need the Holy Spirit to help me to do that. Amen? When, the, when you treat those that have hurt you as forgiven, you are demonstrating the love of Jesus. You're being an example of who he is. So that's how he treated us as sinners, as forgiven, as a son or a daughter of the Lord. Uh, the, of the Lord. Uh, but I do want to give these cautions here. Does that mean you have to spend time with them? No. Does it mean you have to go over to their house if you've forgiven them? No. Does it mean that you've got to have them in your house? Does it mean you've got to be Facebook friends, right? No. You don't even have to go to the family reunion. You don't have to do business with them. You don't have to, And let me just say, don't go back into a dysfunctional, abusive relationship. Don't do it, okay? Instead, here's the picture. This is what I want you to grab hold of. If you do speak to them, maybe you see them in a store or something, treat them and speak to them as though they are forgiven. As though they are forgiven because you have forgiven them. You can actually show kindness. You can be nice, even if they're not. And even maybe even more important than that is that when you talk about them, when they're not around, you still talk about them as forgiven. Somebody wants to stir you up about it, and you're like, oh, you know what? I forgave that person. I'm not, I'm not drinking that poison anymore, remember? Remember when I set that thing down? Uh, so remember that. And let me just say, uh, maybe you've heard this. If you can't say anything nice. Yeah, see, guys, we all had the same mom, right? Other people, let me just say this, because this is important. When you're trying to walk in forgiveness, there will be other people in your life that will try to pull you back. They'll try to get you. Somebody will come with some gossip. Did you hear what so-and-so said about you? The very person you're trying to forgive and, and walk in that? Listen, you don't need to hear that. Did, and maybe they'll come. Did you see what so-and-so posted on Facebook about you? Uh, again, you don't need that. You don't need to hear that. People who do that, they are not trying to help you. They're trying to hurt you. Those people are trying to pull you back. And, and they're, they're basically saying, did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear what they did? Here, take a drink of this. This is what they did, and this is what they said. You don't need that. People that do that in your life, they are not good, helpful friends. I'm just telling you. They're not. They're trying to stir you up because they are abusive gossips who like to watch other people fight. Think about that. You don't need that. So number six, the last one, forgiveness is about me being free. It's about you being free. It's about all of us walking in the freedom that Christ gave us. I know a lot of people think, well, I'll be free once this divorce is final. I'll be free once that person dies, right? I'll be free once that individual moves out or I get away or whatever the situation. That's not when you're going to be free. I, I, let me just say, I've done a lot of funerals where there are a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, their abuser died, and then they were miserable with regret because there was never any reconciliation. 
They never forgave. That's not the, that's not the answer. When you forgive, friends, that's when you're in freedom. That's when you are finally free is when you're able to get that, when you're no longer drinking the poison, where you're no longer held by anger and bitterness and resentment because of that. You can walk in that. You can discover freedom when you decide to forgive. And again, it's not overnight. It's the first step. Okay, God, I forgive him. You know what? Ten minutes later, you may have to say, oh, yeah, no, I forgive him again, Lord until you hit 490 times in that day, you just keep doing it and telling yourself because it is a choice. Remember, it's not a feeling. I heard this quote. I don't know who came up with it, but forgiveness means letting go of the hope for a better past. I mean, think about that. That's what happens with people that are dealing with unforgiveness is they're still living in their past, wishing things were different, wondering how they could have done something different, wishing, you know, God, why didn't I see that coming? Why didn't I get in a relationship with that person? And they're stuck in their past. Listen, you can't change your past. I know that's a newsflash. Back to the future doesn't exist except for in a movie. All right, there are no time machines. Those are great movies to watch. I know, I just really disappointed Anthony back there. But you can't go back. You can only change your future. And you change your future by getting rid of the past and saying, God, I have forgiven them. Help me to begin to walk that step. I want to go back to the verse I had at the beginning, Matthew 6. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Let me just say, Jesus said that. That's not me. I'm just telling you what he said. And if you won't forgive them, he's saying that he can't, for, he can't forgive you. Not that he doesn't want to. Listen, friends, this is a life and death issue. This is, this is a heaven and hell issue. It really is. And we should talk about it more often, right? We should talk about it. We've got to deal with it. And uh, listen, if people are watching online, we got to deal with it. Forgiveness is a choice we make. And yes, I, I acknowledge it is a difficult choice, isn't it? Not our natural reaction. It's not a feeling. Listen, you, if you wait till you feel like forgiving, guess what? Again, you're not going to do it. So we got to make the choice. Remember the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's a legal transaction is what he's talking about there. has nothing to do with your feelings. It's a decision. Okay, God, I'm going to forgive. Yeah, I don't feel like it right now. Yeah, I still can't stand them right now, Lord. I don't love them right now, Lord. And I don't have any tender feelings. But, Lord, I'm making a decision to forgive that debt. And you begin to get on that journey uh, of walking in that forgiveness. And you stay on that journey Every time their name comes up or that thought comes up, whatever it is, you remind yourself, oh, no, Lord, I forgave that. I forgave that. And you just keep walking on it. And you know what? I don't know the amount of time. Maybe it'll be a a few days, a few weeks. It might be a couple of years for you walking down that journey and constantly saying, no, I forgive them. Again, remember, restoration is a whole different thing. But you can set your heart free by walking in the forgiveness. So can I have everybody stand? I didn't want to just talk about it. We want to actually do it. So some of you here today, there's somebody that's on your mind. 
Somebody that every time you think about them, or maybe you were like me, you saw some calamity hit their life and secretly you were like, yes. Come on, I know I'm not the only one. If God's dealing with you in that aspect, make a decision today to say, okay, God, step one, Lord, I forgive them. So whoever it is on your mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. This is between you and God. I'm not going to have you come up to the front or anything. But I want to encourage you to say, God, I forgive that person. Just between you and the Lord. You can mention their name. You can do it quietly in your head or you can do it out loud unless they're in this room. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness for us. Lord, I think of how we don't deserve it. Lord, we know probably if we were looking at the trust category, Lord, you probably don't trust us, Lord God, because we failed too many times. But Lord, that doesn't take anything away from the fact that you love us and that you are calling us to a closer walk. Lord, I just pray for those that are in this room, those that may be watching online, that, that, that maybe there's an individual that hurt them so deeply that they don't see how they can ever be free of that bondage. They've drank in so much of that poison of unforgiveness that, that it's tainted their soul. Lord God, I pray freedom over that individual. Lord God, you've called us to walk in free. Lord, you even call our church Freedom Church, Lord God, because we want to see people walk in freedom. Lord, you want to see that. You provided that way. So Lord God, I just begin to declare freedom. Lord, those that have held control over people's hearts, over their minds, over their actions, Lord God, I begin to speak freedom over them. Lord, it's something that only you can do. It's not a mind game. Lord, it's a decision. And Lord, spiritually, I believe that you're going to cause tender hearts to get tender again. Lord, where there are calluses, Lord God, you will begin to remove them. Lord, where there's been hardness, Lord God, that they will begin to sense your Holy Spirit again. Maybe it's been a while since they really felt your presence. Lord God, I pray that, that even as we get into this song, Lord God, that they would begin to sense your presence again. Lord, allow that softening to begin to happen again. Thank you, Lord. We're going we're gonna to sing that song that we sang earlier, Oh, Come to the Altar. And uh, it has such a good message about our forgiveness. And if you're struggling in that, make that a prayer unto God. God, help me to walk in that same forgiveness.